In Conwith Podcasts are produced as Art Work. These podcasts are a collaboration between In Conwith and the 1968 Film Group for Depth for Decks 2019. Welcome to In Conwith uh, Podcasts. My name is Neil Ferguson and today I am in conversation with Peter Bromley of the 1968 Film Group. Would you like to introduce yourself, Peter? Hi, my name is uh, Peter, Peter Bromley. I run and part of uh, the group formerly known as 1968 Film Group. Um, our specialisation is making documentaries, but we would see it as an open, an open uh, sort of uh, brief of making films. Uh, you know whether that's short or features, but that's that's uh, the kind of thing we do. Would you like to discuss perhaps one or two of the documentary-based pieces that you've made? Uh, so, in the last decade, the last ten years, uh, worked on a huge uh, essay that was based in northern France, known as the known as the Somme project. That was uh, a photographic essay to begin with. But halfway in, we decided to make uh, moving content, so uh, like a film essay. Uh, that was you know, uh, extremely intense, uh, quite poetic in its output. Um, we've done lots of other shorter sort of uh, documentaries which involve sports, uh, politics, uh, art. Um, so our, our agenda as such is, is quite, quite broad, you know. Uh, we're not fixed in making art, art films. Its yeah. uh, its topics are are wide. Often your uh, documentary pieces are filmed over a number of months, indeed, I think years with uh, the, the the Parisian family that you uh, documentary you're working on as well. Is this something that you 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 enjoy? Or you, do you feel it offers a different uh, insight and in, does time in, in that sense? There's, there's, I mean, there's two reasons we do that. One is because uh, the most obvious one is an economic model we use is uh, we're not restricted that way in terms of uh, huge funding issues. It means we can uh, choose a topic, develop it, uh, research it, investigate it and effectively start filming. Um, so that's a really a model that we used out of the Somme project. It was a way of visiting the landscape in northern France uh, five or six times a year, three, four days each time with a, a very tiny crew, a crew of three or four. Um, with the uh, Project Francaise, that was uh, roughly the same sort of method we used. That being uh, very different to the... Uh, some some project because it was landscape based some project and obviously had no one physically in it um the francais project was really developed that uh, way because it was a way of filming the family over two years mm. also it allowed us to uh, follow two or three storylines uh, the most obvious one being the uh, french attacks in paris um, also the change in the family circumstances uh, when we originally started the production, the family were actually as a family, as a unit. By the end of it, there'd been a death in the family, there'd been a divorce, uh, th- there'd been a, 
uh, a marriage for the first time for the youngest member. So it's a way of actually extending the storyline. Yeah, it really does offer an insight in, into most of it in the family and also the you know the seasonal changes. You know that that that. Uh, it's almost the things that we take for grant, we notice and take for granted, and to actually see them actually in filmic uh, uh, production gives you know it gives you that insight. It sort of does, and it also allows you not to be so narrative driven. It's a method that you know uh, some people can go with, some people can't in terms of production. Uh, one is obviously the huge commitment, uh, i.e., like some projects though it was photographic as well as film, but it was over over 10 years. That was mostly because it was such a serious subject. I personally wanted to invest so much time intellectually as well as emotionally involved in, involved in it. Uh, with the family project, uh, it was, again, it was a way of actually um, almost like freeform. It was a, w a way of the storyline being quite open. Uh, when you talk in, in terms of production, some people think that can be a good idea, and some people think uh, it isn't necessarily a good idea. Yeah. You know, you know. I think the I think the word intimacy is a really interesting one for you know that can actually be passed on how how, how it's is given over to the viewer in the document, and it there's it seems to offer a, that the, the 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 you know taking specific photographs or pieces of filming taking place at particular times built out of having spent that amount of time and recognising just what you what you want to go and film you know is it's very different from it just being this is a set situation we'll have a people here pretend or perhaps they will be doing their normal daily work it's it it's even greater it's a longer thing than just flying the wall kind of production Absolutely. that way it's, uh you know, as the French call it, cinema verite, it's a way of, you know, when you begin in the morning, you don't necessarily know what's going to happen at midday or the end of the day. You're there with your camera, rolling the camera. I mean, in academic circles now, that's known as long-form filming. And, and interestingly, uh, at the beginning of when we did the projects, like the Sun Project, it was never, it was almost seen as slightly old school. Uh, now it's quite, quite open and you'll find there's a lot of funding around for of that kind of thing now, uh, people are more willing to accept it than they might have been, you know, a few years ago. Uh, you know, that's really because of the rise of the documentary. Whereas ten years ago, you'd never see a cinema showing one, but now <coughs> they they reckon they're more than uh, fifty percent of films shown in cinemas are uh, some sort of documentary content. So, so, so with documenting in the past, have been short film to put forward a particular point, a political, social point, where there seems to be a little bit of a, a little bit of room for the actual uh, viewer to kind of have a, almost like a, a conversation, a negotiation with what the, the, the director is offering. Absolutely, yeah. The, that audience engagement is obviously huge. You know, that's really been uh, born out of the television uh, set through programs like Big Brother and where there was the, in theory they're meant to be live or they are technically live there's a delay on them very heavily mediated of course you know uh, where you can do that e even a live feed you can uh, cut what the viewers actually see in um, also then you have docudrama you know you have mockumentary there's a lot of genres 
that sprung up out of that. Yeah. You know, the concept of, but I mean, for from a nineteen sixty eight film group point of view, for us, it's all about the ideology. Uh, it's about the approach. Uh, whether it's high and low production doesn't really. That's personally something I don't really get too caught up in. Uh, certainly, sometimes our trailers could be criticised for sort of not addressing the narrative drive of the the end story of the film. But for me, it's always based on visual sound or what's being said, uh, you know, to the camera. Yeah. For my own part, like I've worked with you, you know, on three projects probably over the last probably coming up 30 years you know but, but more importantly I think you know, the first one was was just a case of exploring a, a, a building that was falling apart for my own part I had no particular history of working with video at that time and so you know we put it together around a set of people's observation discussing things in their life that they were really interested in what became a more significant um, piece for me was when you made the film and which was about me, which was quite strange in a way because there was probably about a gap of eight or ten years where we hadn't and not had quite as much to do with one another as we'd had before. And uh, when when I was in my own art had kind of moved, my own making had moved a little bit from probably just uh, predominantly painting where I'd started making more uh, site-specific type work, uh, working with you know, simpler materials like chalk in particular, um, uh, parts of, you know, like in, on streets or out at the coast. And it was very interesting for me to actually see how somebody would film that. Because one of the problems, I had problems of making work, you know, in, in environmental type work, is whether you, how much influence you have. And there is always the constant problem was whether you should uh, document it or whether it should just be left there for the for the elements to, to clear it away. And I found that form of link really, really, you know, in a way quite helpful uh, in, in, in seeing that the, that work. And, it, which, and I think that set up a kind of confidence, hopefully for both of us, to work together on the, uh, the, uh, a project that we're both working on, which has, the title's quite sort of moved, but it's essentially it's two men in Ruong as I still are working... Uh, title where we where uh, where we was a visit to Ruong, um, why why what why Ruong in particular? Uh, well, <coughs> I, I it's always you know obviously that's where uh, it's, he's not actually from the town centre of Ruong, Duchamp Marcel Duchamp, he's from outside in the village outside, but Flaubert's from there. Uh, I had visited the town and um, you know I love. Some of the work you do, I suppose, it is site specific in terms of <coughs> action taking place. Um, so that was something that you know I thought we should give it a go. I sort of felt in one way when we made, and there were certain things we didn't address. It was quite, it was quite static, studio based. You know, it was set around that thing of uh, mostly talking about practice. You know, in terms of making art and through conversation. Um, I thought maybe you know the trip to Rouen would be would be good to explore that sort of uh, actions set in locations. Some of the uh, uh, Boise, uh, Joseph Boys films always fascinated me when they was him like on the street up at on the Liffey Bridge, 
uh, around tea time, asking people to tell them about the troubles. Uh, this film was made in 68, 69, I think. Um, also the one that he made up at the Giant Causeway. They they deeply fascinate me. They still do. I've seen them countless times. Um, so I just thought we could uh, give it a go. I, it's one of those things that's always a risk. You know, uh, when you set off to do something, you never know it's going to work or not. Um, you still don't, even when you put it together, you know, it only takes a question of time looking back. Yeah. From from my experience, I can, I can understand what you're saying. Like, there was a element of, uh, for my own part, you had to take a little, a little bit more maturity in the, in the consideration that I am going into an area where, uh, like, Duchamp and Flaubert have wandered around a long time before me. But there was a, there was, I saw it as a little bit, for me, I, I, a Marcel Duchamp fan in some ways so it was a little bit of opportunity to do a little kind of homage to, to Duchamp and, and the, the setting up of how I would work you know I was interested in you know like the frottage aspect and so the fact that when we found out that they were both buried in the same graveyard the, the kind of the visiting of the two different graves which were very very different in the layout and how, how you react to to these places and they just just even sort of just taking the rubbings off the gravestones it, it, there was it was a, a you know it's quite an emotional strange i don't know like not in that kind of there was a there was a there was a kind of an exchange there was that uh, the way i felt that was how i could take my homage is to just take it away and and, and, and put it on another piece of paper i think as well like the actual shooting in Rouen was was I would add was, was successful in that what Rouen was able to give back. You know, uh, yeah, absolutely. You never know when you're doing like a live set like that whether it'll work. Uh, one of the things I made a film uh, a few years ago, Charles Hayward recorded. A lot of the scenes were filmed. You know, he's a drummer and musician, so a lot of the film uh, were in him working in the studio or on stage. But we did some film in. Uh, around Lyon and Deptford and that really always intrigued me that live sound you know when you're rolling the camera uh, what you pick up you know not as much as the visual is obviously hugely important but it's also the sound you're recording or what you can play around with the sound you know the dubbing you can do we, uh, when we put uh, uh, two men in room together when we did the editing I used a lot of sound overlays uh, the cathedral the sea and the river that runs through it you know and even even there are a lot of the road traffic around the cemetery where uh, Duchamp and Flaubert are buried there's a lot of uh, overdubbing on there you know it's it's just something that really it's almost like the story within a story and the repeating of a of a piece of audio deeply fascinates me it's something sometimes the viewer might not even know but for me it's a bit of an in gag you know it's a community it's a conversation with myself sometimes you know. yeah well a lot of that felt like it was but my own involvement in the film, I was kind of filmed at times doing what I actually like doing, which is, yeah. you know, without, and when I do certain things, like I might draw a circle or, or, or place something, I kind of, most of it's for me, but then when it's filmed, you realise in actual fact that it has, it has got a generosity. It is a, I'm entering into a big community of debate. You know, I'm able to say, this is Marcel Duchamp's front door to his house where he, where he was born. And so I'll, I'll lay these pieces of glass reflecting on them in order to say, well, it's like, thank you, really. And then to take them away. I didn't want to leave anything. You know, you take it away. You yeah. know, that, that, that thing. And how, you know, when you were in Rouen and you've got 
the Rue, the the Jacques Villon or the you know like or Avenue the Marcel Duchamp, you know, it's 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 quite strange, you know, to just put something in there. It's almost like I put a piece of you know a circle or something there just to say right, yep, I've been here and I've really enjoyed being here. Like otherwise, I could yeah, probably walk yeah, along. Yeah, of course that that kind of filmmaking is. You know, obviously, any production you're controlling, whether in you're mediating in the edit room after, but it, you are uh, you're open to a huge amount of luck. Like when we went up, uh, when the four of us, five of us went up to the cemetery uh, to step into it, you know, the the lighting conditions on the day were so perfect. Uh, the atmosphere was just, you know, uh, but obviously we had to get the uh, the permission of, from the mayoree, you know, the hotel. And the guy was so, so helpful, so considerate to allow us to go in to film. If that hadn't happened, it probably, you know, it would have been a huge scene lost within the, yeah. you know, within the film. It just wouldn't have had the edge. And also, like, the fact that we opened with the film, you know, like you said, you know, which is correct, or the film opens with death, you know, it's... Yeah, it's, um, of moving yeah. it forward from death. That's you're, right. You're yeah, like yeah, building out the death. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and already, like a, a sweeping sort of question, a big question is like you know, like like what constitutes a a, a good documentary for you? What what do you want to put in it? Well, originally when when I set up Nine Six Death Film Group, it was in theory a collaborative collective concept, and we we originally made try to make dramas. I mean, the down, you know, that was our remit originally. The downside of making dramas was you needed huge, a lot of cash. You know, that was, uh, that was evident very quickly. And even when we made uh, Coup d'etat, you know, uh, some of the early ones and renditioning, it was a bit of an issue. So I knew then because of my background in being a photographer and documenting things, you know, the nature of photography is, you know, it's a very... It's a, it's a very surreal concept. You know, you've got a box, you press a button, you capture something, and then there's the time element. You know, this is obviously pre-digital, pre-numeric. So um, the, the thing of setting up 68 to run as a documentary unit become much more uh, feasible and much more successful. The big thing for me, really, around it was the honesty, the ideology of the subject. You know, given the subject, the voice not controlling, not trying to manipulate the drive and the story, even sometimes at a loss of the so-called quote-unquote interesting subject or topic. So uh, the, to the question what makes, for me, a documentary really is you need you need uh, the access, you need accessibility, and uh, you need time, and, and um, probably... Uh, the most successful films that I've made out of all the documents I made have always fitted into a made a ready-made audience like the one in Charlie you know him being a, a recognized uh, drummer musician with this seat there's an audience sitting there same with the creation records Pete and Terry film uh, sometimes when you're making a film you, you're you're trying not to think of who is it being made for before you make it but it's the nature of the, the, the business or the industry, you know. That's... But they, they seem to offer a pleasure in looking for me. Yeah, you know, they, mean, you know yeah. they, they are, they, they evoke the, 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 the scenes that were filmed, you know, they, they, they seem to pull out 
the best of that without too much pace. You know, they offer yeah. they offer you time to look. To yeah, I mean, our fi- definitely our films sit on the long form shelf in terms of, you know, they they can be seen as quite slow. The sometimes the subject, you know, is uh, not sort of super interesting in terms of like the one on the family. The the big commitment there was for me to a family that lived in the same area, the same street for almost 100 years. Effectively, uh, they were working class. They still see themselves as working class, which is quite interesting. Uh, but definitely on the terms of their trade, blacksmith, uh, baker, you know, uh, they are definitely uh, working class trades that they're very proud of, you know, as they should be. So it's the everyday that always interests me, even with the art practice. It's the, the logistics of getting down to to the making, the doing, even though sometimes it can be totally banal and totally, totally um, repetitive and not yield a lot of uh, visual matter that's, you know, that's uh, deeply interesting. But it's it's showing... It's it's the voice giving the vehicle, you know. The there's a there is a thing of being able these these pieces being able to put, you know, through social media, the fact that they can be housed on a site and people download them. I remember and I remember you talking to me about the thing where where the Charles Hayward film was was look was viewed in Japan, you know, for for the reason that he was well known in Japan, which then encourages other viewers to look at your fil- other films and and pieces that you've made, and there's something like that. It's really exciting about that, you know, in a way for somebody who's come from making paintings or even making site-specific pieces of work, which are only seen by 50 people walking back and forward, to think that somebody in Tokyo is actually looking at something and obviously, you know, hopefully enjoying it, but, you know, is engaging with this. Uh, absolutely. You know, for us, obviously, the uh, social media has made a huge difference. Also, the potential of, you know, we, we're... We've slightly uh, fallen into that sort of niche market. So even at festivals, the screenings, even even when people talk about our context, we do get the respect of saying, you know, um, we we pay our play our part in the in the bigger scheme of things of of uh, the the commitment. Even though knowing sometimes when we're going into a project, the audience could be limited. But you know, for me, it's it is a conversation. But that I think that's an ambition for the work, as opposed to an ambition, a personal ambitious ambition to be you know rich and successful by playing a particular set of games. You know, like like there's always been an ambition for the the work you produce to to look as as well as it can on the type of budget that you're able to give it. There's a kind of honesty to it, which is, is yeah, yeah. To me, it's it, and a lot of the time it's um, the conversation. You know, between me and the subject, interests me more. Obviously, you need, you need, you need the uh, the physical evidence to come out of it. And and you know, still, you, you can film something. It's only when you sit down to actually cut it in the edit room, uh, which is you know, can go so many ways. As as most people know by now, that there's a way of presenting the story in a different different form each time. You know, so. If if you were the if you're saying when you're when you're doing the editing uh, and then you're editing a film you're like you know I, I I before we did this discussion I kind of got this little quote from off the internet a good documentary has a pull towards the end which I thought was rather interesting as opposed to a pull to getting out the the, the cinema or wherever you're doing as quickly as possible like 
do you feel is are there particular filmmakers, documentary makers that you almost feel as though they're almost like just looking over your shoulder, like offering a suggestion? Do it come to mind? Uh, well, I suppose I would originally be hugely influenced by uh, Goddard, John Luke Goddard, uh, but he he formed a group uh, in sixty eight, nineteen sixty eight, with a really interesting documentary filmmaker uh, called uh, Jean Pierre. Uh, Gorin and um, he was a guy who sort of really I suppose in one way re-inspired Goddard to actually uh, move on in terms of uh, moving away from that beginning and middle and end uh, Agnes Varda is another filmmaker who uh, you know allows the camera to uh, talk and uh, to the subject so um, yeah for me th that the ending that's something you can't even in the documentary most people want a rounder you know a way of going out with a high or a way of a conclusion i mean sometimes in the edit room i'll actually open quite slowly even though tradition states people want to you know want to be drawn into the story for me sometimes it's i, I would just go on uh, a situation that i just feel i don't even over intellectualize that i just sort of think that's the way i'm going to do it but but tradition, it's quite hard to, for it not to dictate. People by the people are so used to watching uh, films of all kinds through television and cinema that they they are quite sophisticated in terms of their film language and knowledge, uh, even though they might not be able to verbalise it. But they sort of think, oh, those scenes sh yeah. should be in the middle, not at the beginning. Yes, it's you like know, people have spent their life. In a, that visual world of watching the television, that you know, hugely edited, even they go to film, this connection. Other, other particular sort of, what what sets of circumstances do you look for perhaps first when you start filming? You're like you're, for instance, uh, you're like there's that just kind of to look to set up, you know, that sort of emotional ties with with the viewer. Like, do you look at it to try and make a connection? Uh, structurally um through color or you know like stylistically do you, do you work do you, do you feel you have any particular order to this probably do as a you know as a visual person having been a photographer so long before even picking up even before the days of getting into tape uh you know going down that route yeah it's uh it, but again it's quite open it can be quite static doesn't need to move around certainly on the real film we made together and um, the one on the family, you know, the uh, French family project, that was really uh, the camera moves a lot uh, for all sorts of reasons. One, it's to, you know, it's Paris, it's in the city. Same with our film in uh, Rouen. It's you can hear the city, you can uh, sense, you know, it's a it's a moving forward. But you know, the whole structure of uh, the visual within the within the frame, you know, even when Tarkovsky talked about time within time. Uh, and those those hugely important films, Solaris, yeah. Stalker, you, uh, you know, Nostalgia, they all they all involved around in the time concept. Yeah. Recently, I was talking to a fellow painter, and I, and they were, were talking about how when a painting starts, and indeed it's something that you know in terms of teaching, I've spoken to people about, and it's, in a painting, in a way, 
somehow has to establish its place. You know, now, now that's very loose, you know, you know where, where it may be the colour, the tonality. Somehow or other it starts the conversation where the next thing you do becomes very obvious. You know, it, you know it's, it was interesting working with, my experience of working with filmmakers is that the time spent is often walking around. And and you th and so all of a sudden the camera comes out. You know where to film, and you know what's going to happen. You know, and it's and it, it, it's it's these sort of structures are put into into place, like how they establish the content. Like what what becomes difficult for us from for for a non photographer, non painter is is it's like. How long should a shot be? You know, like how long does that? What does that start yeah, to set up? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's something to be. You know, sometimes you need to be aware of that. Uh, it's like the opening to the song film. Uh, originally, when I uh, the the DP, the cinematographer on it, Ruben, felt that the film should open within a, what they call a frame. It's a way of when something's slightly abstract or poetic, the viewer needs an establishment like the classic establishment shot. So we did build a frame and. And the frame for that was leaving Dover and turning up at Calais, the crossing. You know, that was the introduction. I mean, you do have to be, because like I was saying earlier about the language and time, there's been a few things that I wouldn't have used in the past that I wouldn't use now. Like when I made the Haywood film, originally the premiere was in uh, Copenhagen at the festival there. And, and the first cut, first edit, was I, I unsynced a lot of the audio and slowed some of the stuff down. People in the audience, people thought it was an error, but it was. Uh, it was also. I kept thinking, surely no. At this stage, people would have realised it's all intentional, yeah. and uh, I think Charles suffered so badly with it. I took it out because uh -huh. he was so stressed, thinking people just were, would see it as an error. Uh -huh. Yeah. But. And how long do you think uh, a doc? What suits a documentary the best? What? length of time yeah, that's, you have in that's your own an interesting head. One. Uh, for me my attention span I always think less is more I don't know if that's a Mozart quote but um, you know there's little things that work like uh, you know like uh, the uh, family film 55 minutes Hayward's films 50 minutes the royal film was 25 even even when we edited that you look at it you're so in, engrossed into it you, it's, you, you sort of think god it's only 25 minutes long but even when I watched it last week on the edit, I thought there's so much in there. Why, why would you want to go over 25 minutes? But uh, yeah, so it depends on obviously the subject. And obviously I think time is, is massively important. You do have to, you know, even though I never used to think of my audience, maybe, maybe now I'm getting older, I sort of think I don't want to hold up people for too long. Yeah. Well, thanks very much, Peter. Mm -hmm.